Let us take a look at God's word for the story that uh, Ryan and, and Perry just show, shared with us. But first, pray with me. Oh, holy God, open our hearts and our minds to see you, to hear you, to hear your message for us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be reading from the second, uh, from the second book of Samuel, cha chapter 6, uh, from the beginning, verses 1 through verse 19. Let us listen for a word from the Lord. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people with him set out and went from Baal, Judah, to bring up there, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinad, excuse me, Abinadab, which was on the hill. Azah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went in front of the ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nakan, Azah reached out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Azah, and God struck him there before he reached out, for he reached out his hand to the ark, and he died there beside the ark of God. Now David was angry because the Lord had burst forth with an outburst upon Azah. So that place is called Perez Azah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. He said, how can the ark of the Lord come into my care? So David was unwilling to take the ark of the Lord into his care in the city of David. Instead, David took, the, took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. It was told King David, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Adam to the city of David with rejoicing and with those who bore the ark of the Lord. And when those who had bore the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, they sacrificed an ox and a fatling. David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen ephod, so David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michael, daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw the King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. They brought, they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in the place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being, 
He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed food among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, to each a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people went back to their homes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, what gets you excited? What makes you want to yell and cheer and dance? The other day, my granddaughter had just finished doing a puzzle game, and she was so excited that she had accomplished it that she shrieked with joy, clapped her hands, and jumped up and down. I also think about people who are on game shows, like The Price is Right, and I don't think you can be on that show if you don't yell and scream and jump. And when your name is called, you run down to the, to the stage and you show your exuberance. Um, and when you win your prize, people are, 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 are shouting and, and joy. I think sports fans also do a lot of shouting and joy. Um, they, they jump up and down when their team scores and when they do good things and good plays. Uh, it's hard to sit in a sporting event quietly. And I think about people, we, we celebrate birthdays and other special occasions. We celebrate accomplishments like new jobs and, and, and other successes. And sometimes we even celebrate uh, simple things like getting together with friends on a Friday night. We get excited and cheer and jump about so many things in life. But I wonder, do we get excited like that when we think about God? and God's work and, and what it means in our lives? When was the last time you danced before the Lord? When have you shown God your joyful exuberance? I think one of the best expressions of exuberance happened in this sanctuary a couple of weeks ago when we had Vacation Bible School Sunday. It was such a joyous occasion. You could feel it everywhere in the congregation, in the sanctuary. Uh, people were singing and, and doing the motions to the songs and clapping and praising God. And there wasn't a, a place where you could not feel that energy. Now, we all didn't clap the same way or do the motions the same way or sing the same way. And sometimes we were just silent, taking it all in and rejoicing within ourselves. But it was an experience of faithful, joyful exuberance. We've talked about the children going to Montreat this summer, and I think about their experience while they're there. Uh, I know that they'll be able to come back telling us about the, the exuberant experiences that they have. There'll be times where they go to the assembly hall and they'll be singing and, 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 and dancing to the, to the various songs, and they'll be having devo um, devotional messages, and they'll be experiencing the energy and presence of God in that place in their lives. Faithful, joyful exuberance. You could probably think of a bunch more of experiences that you've had in your own life, and I think that is wonderful. Now today, our passage we see David expressing his exuberance through dancing and playing music. And in this particular event, everything, everyone from that whole area 
was present. Um, they, were, they were hopeful and, and excited because the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, was coming into Jerusalem. David had put it all together and was making sure that that was what was going to happen. Now, he was early in his kingship in, in, in Israel, but he remembered and understood the importance of the Ark. And it was important, he felt, to bring it to Jerusalem, which is where he was establishing the capital of Israel. And he also thought it would be a good thing to have, to show that the people were trusting God, that God was in their presence, and it would be a, a form of strength and unity among the people. However, he forgot one important thing. What were God's instructions about moving the ark? He failed to follow those instructions. He failed to follow God's will. Now the ark, this passage doesn't say it specifically, but you find it in Chronicles and other places in the Bible. But the ark was supposed to be moved by priests. And there were rings on the ark that two poles were supposed to go through and the priests would carry the ark on their shoulders. So instead, this time, the ark was placed on a new cart, and it was pulled by oxen. It was being moved from Baal Judah to the home of Abinadab. Now, he had two sons, Azah and Ahio, and they were driving the cart. And unfortunately, their actions resulted in tragedy. They disregarded God's, God's will in terms of, of transporting the ark. They, they disrespected God's holiness by touching the ark. Now, it might have been just a reflex on Azaz's part. You know, he might not have really understood the consequences of his actions as he tried to stabilize the ark, but it was a tragic mistake. Now for us in our time, as we understand God and God's saving grace and God's love, I think this is confusing and I think it, it, it seems harsh to us. But I think it's important that we look at it from God's perspective and from the perspective of the Israelites in that place and time. The Israelites understood that the ark was the throne of God, that God's presence was there and that only the priest was allowed to be near the ark. Bible teacher Beth Moore writes, uh, does a study using this passage and, and does a study on David, and I think she found, there was something in there that I found very helpful about this. She writes, God is not telling us in 2 Samuel 6 that God is harsh. He's telling us that he is holy Think about the meaning of the ark, the awesomeness, the holiness, the majesty of God dwelt there. To treat the ark inappropriately was to treat God inappropriately, not because of what it was, but because of who God is. Let us always remember that God is holy, to be revered, respected, honored, and loved. And that may seem odd to be reminded of that. Of course we do that, right? Let's ask ourselves a few questions that I think kind of speak to 
God's holiness and our response to God. Do we welcome opportunities to be in worship with God to pr- and to be with God in prayer or simply to be with God in silence? Do we try to listen and follow God's will throughout the day? Are there ever times where we take God for granted? Maybe we expect God to be with us on our timetable. And yes, God is with us all the time. But are we there for God? And do we answer when God calls? And I wonder if there's ever times where we might be concerned or embarrassed about showing our love for God and our faith. Perhaps concerned about what people might think or say. Or do we ever forget who we're talking to? That always reminds me of my growing up at home, my parents, when we would have conversations. There were times when I was younger that I would maybe get a little too directive with them or maybe show a little too much attitude. And typically my parents would say something like, remember who you're talking to. And if they were really pretty upset, they might say, who do you think you're talking to? And I was reminded very quickly that I crossed the line. They were my parents. And I needed to show them respect. I wanted to be respectful. Now, they'll always love me. And it's good to be able to talk with them. But it's also important to remember who they are. Well, I think this is similar to our relationship with God. We don't want to cross the line and forget who God is. We know God loves us and will never leave us because that's what he promised. We know God loves, we know that it doesn't mean that, that everything revolves around us. We are not the center of the universe, though sometimes I think we might think we are. We're not the center. The world revolves around God. God is the center of everything. In Deuteronomy, we read, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Yes, God is the center of all. God is holy. And to be shown reverence, respect, honor, and love. But now, does that mean that we need to be quiet all the time when we're around God? Is that the only way to show God that we revere him, that we respect God, that we love and honor God? I don't think it is. In this passage, we see David dancing with all his might before the Lord, with music. And was that okay? His wife, Michael, didn't think so. And she was a little bit put out with him and didn't think he was behaving as a king should behave. But David's heart was on God, on honoring God and on pleasing God, and that made it good and right. So after the first attempt, 
to bring the ark into Jerusalem. David was angry, and he was confused about what happened. He took some time to ponder what went wrong. And after three months, and after seeing that God had blessed the house of of Obed-Edom, where the ark was left for safekeeping, he remembered and was reminded of God's instructions. And the ark was carried this time into Jerusalem. This time, they followed God's instructions, and all was right and good. There are many ways to respond to God with reverence, respect, honor, and love. David danced, and David used music. We may also respond by sitting or standing, kneeling or bowing before God, in silence, in prayer, listening. We may be in the sanctuary or a retreat center. We may be at home. We may be in God's creation. We may even sing or make a joyful noise or speak or write our thoughts and feelings to God. But however we respond, let us be guided by the Holy Spirit and remember that we do it for God. So as we go forth today, dancing before the Lord in any manner we can, with our feet or our hands or our thoughts or our voices and our hearts, in whatever form of expression we, can, we use, let us do it for God, God first and God alone. To God be the glory. Amen.